This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. for April 13th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or our own dedicated Open the VoiceGate feed on all podcast platforms or applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes and it'll take you to your redcircle.com landing page. You just click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined as always by my friend and co-host Case Lowe. In Case, we have had a interesting week in Dragon Gate, an interesting week in the entire wrestling landscape, but what I'm most concerned on is, Case, how are you doing, bud? Oh my goodness, I, I, I'm doing alright. It's a pretty uneventful, uh, uneventful week for me. I'm very busy uh, with work, very busy with school, and I'm very busy trying to wrap my head around what is going on in Dragon Gate? Because this feels like a really strange point in the promotion's history. And just with the way history seems to repeat itself, I kind of feel like 2012 vibes from this promotion right now, which would make sense given that we just got out of Generational Warfare akin to Blood Warriors versus Junction 3 and 2011 in the early months of 2012 as well. Do you kind of get what I'm saying on a surface level that this kind of reminds me of, of what Dragon Gate looked like in 2012? Yeah, for sure. And I would also say, like, the big difference is that I think that with how everything was laid out last year, they had to go from A to Z in some points without going to X and Y, if you will. And there, there are certain stuffs that they weren't able to tie up in a neat and nice and tidy bow that, you know, I feel like that that kind of, at least with like the overriding stuff and with like the main event stuff, with the exception of like the Dreamgate, kind of like you, you have that the, the fact that we've now are in this world where most of the main events in Tokyo have been, for lack of better words, angles. And it's been that way pretty much. Uh, since November, I want to say, case since November, and it's just it, it's a staging period, and I mean it's a filling out process, and I think some of it has to do with how the generational warfare ended, and I think some of it also is just with how COVID is, and how COVID kind of changed how they have treated shows and how they've treated Tokyo, and I think that that's one of those like things that like Tokyo is always going to be like an important city to Dragon Gate, but seeing how they've kind of like treated Tokyo like the last few months, I'm like, oh, all right, this. In a lot of ways, it kind of feels like a bigger Kyoto as of late, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I wrote about this pretty extensively in my written review over at VoicesOfWrestling.com, the Dragon Gate Gate of Passion, April 9th, 2021 review. I, I'm just, I'm very frustrated with basically the second half of these Cork and Hall shows right now, and, and I still have more faith in this company's booking than literally any other promotion on earth and they've earned that over 21 years of excellence at this point but this is now four months in a row where outside of the the double corkins in january where the first one you had that excellent jason lee performance in the twin gate match every other corkin has been marred by some sort of red and in particular sbk shenanigans and it's it's just one of those things, you know, if it happens once, if it happens twice, it's not ideal, but I get it. But we're now looking at a pattern, and it's really hurting my enjoyment of these Cork and Hall shows, because 
it, the safest bet in wrestling, you know, for years has been the fact that Dragon Gate will deliver a four plus star main event in Cork and Hall. They just always seem to deliver. And the fact that they're not, for whatever reason, is really hindering these shows because it, it, it's, you know, it's one of those deals where they're not sending the fans home happy. They're they're sending the fans home on these heel angles that I just, I don't like them and I'm sick of them. And we'll talk about King of Gate later on in the show. We have the King of Gate lineups and Unfortunately, I don't I don't know if it's going to go away in May because you have Dragon Kid versus SP Kento days removed from what will be their dead or alive cage match. And we know that match is going to have shenanigans. The question is where it goes on on the card. My guess is it will be in the middle of the card. I think Yamato versus Skywalker is going to headline that show. But still, it's just it's inescapable at this point. And in 2012, just to kind of put a bow on that, you know, it, it was very much a transitional period where you had the early days of Mad Blanky where they weren't offensive, but they hadn't really figured out their act yet. And you had all these other units, you know, I, in a way, Masquerade, I think, is very similar to World One International, where you had, you know, yes, Doi and Yoshino, who are these giant stars who can talk. They don't have that issue that Masquerade did, but they're kind of this unit that's just having good match after good match after good match and there's nothing for them to sink their teeth into i mean there was no legendary world one international feud unless i'm forgetting something and masquerade is sort of falling into that same deal there's parts of this company right now that i love i have officially joined the i think the shun skywalker dreamgate run is tremendous I am loving Natural Vibes 2.0, which I'm really, I am I shocked myself by having that opinion, but I really love what they're doing. I think the Mochizuki and Yoshida stuff is still incredibly entertaining. I like high-end. The main events, it's just, it's just a little frustrating, and I, they're designed to frustrate the viewer, but we're, it's, it's starting to delve into go-away heat to some extent. And it's something that, like, there is the endpoint, and then you have to ask the question of the endpoint's going to be in Nagoya, and I'm of the belief, and talking to people that there's not, it's not going to be like all these people are going to that are at Cork, and by the way, Cork was almost a sellout, like like they're like they're back up again, and it's something where I'm of the belief that it's like these people aren't going to really go to Nagoya to see this blow off here, and then you're I guess you're running the second blow off of King of Gate. And it, it, it and it's something that with like SB Kento, like he is such a prodigious talent that I'm like, okay, he's good at what he's doing here. But you start to ask yourself at a certain point is if this is going to have long term repercussions, you know, down the line. And especially considering like it, it, we're looking at a Nagoya versus Nagoya, like ultimate main event in that show. And he's going to put Dragon Kid over. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because you're absolutely right. Everything else except for what is what went on in the main event either like exceeded my expectations or was exactly what I expected at Corkin. And there's some stuff that I always hold off if I'm not watching this before your review goes up, reading your review until afterwards. And it's going to be very eerie as we do this show recap case because we were kind of in lockstep in a lot of things except for one match that I think I enjoyed a, a great deal more than you did. But it's interesting, and I think that it's the, the way that I guess the way I'd say this as like a longtime Dragon Gate fan is they have a lot of plates spinning right now, as they should be. As promotions, you should be having a lot of stuff going on, and it's something that, you know, I think Dragon Gate does an incredible job of weaving in stuff that for your hardcores that, and the people that have been your day ones that would appreciate, but at the same time that they don't. Like have such like a barrier of entry that if you're someone who just signed up on the network, especially if you're listening to Jay and Hoho, you'd be able to follow along and do that. It's just one of those things that like it in a lot of ways, like I, I got to a point with the finish and with the main event this week where I was like, all right, so there's so many minutes left in this file are what's going to happen with this and i was a little bit spoiled i was like it's not going to be a clean finish I, someone says it's not going to be a clean finish and then i was like oh so they've basically run back a lot of stuff they did and they had a long talking segment and after a while you have to wonder it's like when are we going to kind of break out of that and it's not that i think that they're bad promos it's just one of those things that i think that it's become a trend and it's something that i mean you don't want to spurn your tokyo base even though it's not necessarily dragon gate's focus unlike any other promotion in japan yeah, there's two 
two points I want to hit on here. One, in terms of SBK, I don't think he'll be hurt by this in the long term at all. I think he's going to lose his hair at Dead or Alive, and then I think he's going to pin Dragon Kid in the middle of the ring at Cork and Hall and King of Gate, and everything will be fine, and he'll be off to the races from there. The thing is, and we can kind of break down this Cork and Hall show now, we, I, I'd, I'd like to start with the main event just because we're kind of in that ballpark. Yeah, let's do that. This was an excellent Cork and Hall show. It's so disappointing that the main event was what it was, because if this was, you know, just your your standard baseline four-star Dragon Gate multi-man tag match, this would be an incredible Cork and Hall show. There was so much stuff that I liked on this show from like a, oh, this was legitimately good perspective. You had stuff on this show that over-delivered. And you had Chono showing up, which was a ton of fun. I was watching this show live. <laughs> Chono's music hit. I, I've never enjoyed a second of Masahiro Chono. And once his music hit, I was like, all right, Chono, this is awesome. Like, this is great. It's just the main event just left a bad taste in my mouth for like the fourth month in a row. And it was it was disappointing to see. But outside of that, a really, really strong Cork and Hall show. Right. So the main event is Naruki Doi's comeback special six-man tag team match. As we talked about last week... Uh, COVID hit the Dragon Gate uh, dojo. It was a trainee who was asymptomatic, and because of I don't I don't believe uh, I don't believe Hip Hop Kakuda tested positive or anything. This, but he's held in an extended quarantine because he was in extended close contact. I guess he was pulled out of this main event, and Ada was put in his place. It was Naruki Doina's return match, teaming with the high end team of Yamato and Dragon Kid versus the Red side of SB Kento, Ada, and Kai. The first match went three minutes. It was a prolonged angle, and they did an intentional double countout when SB Kento pulled Kai's leg off the uh, apron. And then the finish on the restart was Naruki Doi pinning Kai after the Bakatari sliding kick after an intentional powder shot by SB Kento. Yeah, I just, I feel like we've seen this. I mean, it just the, the DQ or the countout and then the restart, like they just did this. So it didn't feel like a progression of this angle it felt just stagnant. That that was the bummer. The other thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week, because as we've been discussing on the show, we record Tuesday nights, and Drangate has fallen into a habit of releasing cards Wednesday mornings. The hip-hop Kakuda factor really sucks, because like I said on the show last week, I was convinced he was pinning Naruki Doi in this match, and... Unfortunately, we'll never know, but I, I I had the idea in mind that Doi was going to eat an ass attack and Kakuda was going to roll over Doi on his way to his first Dreamgate challenge at the beginning of May. He got pulled, which is a real bummer, and we ended up with a match that, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, I just I thought it was horribly disappointing. I've seen this. I've seen them do this style of angle already, too, in this same exact build. So this was a real letdown for me. Yeah, and... The, the fact that basically you did an angle for the double count out, that's fine. Like that's, the, 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 as Jay mentioned on commentary on English, that's Dragon Gate to its score. I mean, that's M2K, the double ring out committee. However, running it back and then the only difference being that Doi was able to capitalize on this and SB Kento intentionally threw the match or something. It is just kind of like, all right, it's, well, we're on the road to King of Gate, but it's not satisfying. And it's not, and it doesn't, and it's not one like those angles where in the past we've been like, all right, I'm totally fine with this. Like this makes sense. We're going to go somewhere with this. After a certain while, even though we're closer to King, uh, to Dead or Alive, it just kind of gets to you. And then afterwards, there there was a mic talk where High End tried to invite Naruki Doi into the unit. Naruki Doi said he did not like the white jumpers, and anyways, he was not going to stay into the unit because he will be teaming with Masato Yoshino until his retirement on August first. It just was like one of those things that like that all happened in a way and it just it, I kind of came out there it's like all right this is the step now we have the two people in one stable who aren't on the same side because they're going to be in a they're going to be in a pro house and Korea blaze match so it just kind of like checked the boxes like okay this makes sense but it doesn't feel satisfying whatsoever I hate the doy aspect of this too and you know I look I know time is going to fly and before you and I know it, Mike, we're going to be writing our Kobe World Preview, but the end of July is a long ways away from now, and we don't know Yoshino's status, we don't know if he's wrestling on his homecoming show later this month, we don't know anything about Yoshino, but the idea of Doi working unaffiliated tags 
through the end of July, quite frankly, sucks to me. And it's a it's a thing that if it was any other promotion, I don't think it would matter that much. But the units here need to be a certain way. I've talked about before on the show, at the start of COVID last year, I watched all of 2005 from January through December in Dragon Gate, and Magnum Tokyo ends up not only spending time in Do Fixer that year, but in Poss Hearts. And Magnum Tokyo being in two units, I know it doesn't sound like anything. It throws off everything. It's just this weird, tangible thing that once you're locked into the Dragon Gate mindset, you need to be in a unit. It's what we talked about with Ben K's Open the Dreamgate run a few years ago. He never had a unit, and although the match quality was terrific... It was just him teaming with Skywalker, kind of like what Doi plans on doing here with Yoshino. And it was just awkward. Like, you just couldn't get invested in Ben K as much as you would have wanted to because he was without a unit. Any other promotion, it doesn't matter. But it was a, a bad main event and a bad angle. And then Doi cut that promo, and I I was just like, oh, God. Like, how does Drangate hit me with a one-two punch of things I hate? This never <laughs> happens. But, God, I really hated this main event segment. And it's something that, like, High End did not have to go and do this. <laughs> like, it could have said, like, oh, we're going to do this. Like, I appreciate it, but, like, we don't need to be doing this right now. Like, and I think that, like, it, it's something that if if we had a situation like Akira Tozawa, where Akira Tozawa had basically about six weeks between him announcing that he was going to leave and then his final match at Gate of Destiny. So, like, it didn't really, like, shake things up so much. And, like, it ran its bit. And, like, you got all the matchups and you got the big six tag at Gate of Destiny. But for Naruki Doi, like, if Masato Yoshino is not wrestling matches, then he's going to stick out like a sore thumb, like you said. And for someone like him who, with the exception of uh, Yamato, I would say is... And, and of course Yoshino, but of course Yoshino is not in the picture right now. He's the number two most important person in this company. The fact that he's going to be sticking out like that is somewhat discouraging, I would say. That's a great point. I'm glad you said that. If Yoshino was in this position and he was working unaffiliated tags, I think that'd be super entertaining because you would get to work with uh, Kamei and he would get to work with the young guys. And then you would see, you know, a lot of doing Yoshino tags because there's an endpoint for Masao Yoshino. We know he's going away, just like we knew Tozawa was going away. God, I wish he'd come back, but that's not, that's, he's a wife guy. I get it. I, but with Doi, okay, Yoshino's going to go away and then he's going to snap his fingers and come August build a new unit. Like, it, it's just, I don't, I don't like it. I, it's as simple as that. I just don't like it. I think it throws off the feng shui of Dragon Gate, and I'm, I'm bummed about this because, even if it's, you know, to, to pull one out of the rough, you know, a dial hearts level unit where they are just there to serve a purpose for one guy, but they still have great matches. Like, you know, that unit was just designed to give BB Hulk a unit. That would have been fine. But this, I, I just don't like this at all. And it's something also that, like, it's not just about Doi in this situation, it, it, unless he's going to, like, usurp and maybe do, like, a huge heel turn and that becomes the next heel unit, which I don't see. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, unless that's happening, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be floating out there unless he's joining a pre-existing unit and then you have, like, your own kind of situation there as well. So it, it's not just a one-person issue when you deal with someone like Nuruki Doi who is a frontline player as much as one could be in the company. It's just it, it trickles down the card, and that's one that's one of the things that makes this such a puzzling situation. Uh, do you have any other uh, thoughts on the main event before we start working our way down the card? I do not. So my main event was the uh, Mascara contra Mascara Apuestas match. It was the first head-to-head Apuestas match since 2002. Case. Yeah, since- I caught that since your favorite match. Yeah, that's right. Since my favorite match, Darkness Dragon versus Dragon Kid, it was Diamante uh, versus Bokudamo Dragon. Diamante won. His Lucha Wiki page has not been updated yet. I want to see Diamante has won <laughs> the mass of Bokudamo Dragon. Of course, Bokudamo Dragon is Yuki Shimizu from Osaka, as we all learned like six weeks ago, six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he let out his shoot name before in a promo, which 
never change. And it was Diamante winning in 10 minutes, 22 seconds of Welta Finale. And a match that, this was a match that I really enjoyed. I went four and a quarter on it, okay? So I was a little bit higher than you were. But this was exactly what I was hoping for this match to be. Had the right amount of shenanigans in it. And I just thought that both these guys knocked it out of the park. And the tease for the shot put slam then going back to it, I thought was just just pulled off excellently. Yeah, this fucking rock. I I loved I loved this. This is exactly what I was hoping for. It made the six months of this Shimizu gimmick entirely worth it. This is the payoff I wanted. This is how I wanted it to be executed. I have no complaints about this match. I thought it was so much fun, and it is a reminder, at least to me, just how good Shimizu can be. He's had his fun. He's had his. You know, I mean, he's been having fun for like three years now because we've had so much of like the Kevin Nash R.E.D. heel style run. And then we've <laughs> had this. But like I've been saying, when Shimizu is on, he is as talented as anyone at wrestling. It's crazy because it's been so long now since we've had Maximum, Mohawk, Big R Shimizu. But that is who this guy is, and I hope we can get back to that, because this match showed that he can do a little bit of everything. I mean, he did Lucha here, and it was awesome. Yeah, and it was something that, like, when he, like, did a plancha dive to start off this match, I was like, all right, we're getting into this here, and it just went from there. And it's something that I feel like that Diamante held up his end of the deal more than it's like, this was a great one fall of quest this match and it played into the dragon gate sensibilities real well and it just came across to me at least like just a success there and it makes it very interesting now with the point that like the one the one thing i'll say about naruki doi leaving team boku is at least we all know what the deal is now and we shouldn't just like it, it's going to die probably within the next like month or so i would suspect or change into something else and i thought that diamante was excellent and i thought that this was just a level of seriousness and then the near fall was just exceptional off the shot put slam. And that's going to be a real interesting story with him going forward is how does uh, Shimizu go from here? He's still billed as Bukudamo Dragon, and it's something that I find at least very interesting. And also interesting the fact he is not in King of Gate this year. No, I'm glad you noticed that. Something I'll talk about later on in this show. So yeah, on the, the upcoming house shows... He is still the Bukaltimo Shimizu character without the mask. Again, we don't have this weekend's Fukuoka cards as of this second. We'll check again before we stop recording, but I'm assuming he'll be doing the same gimmick on those shows as well, just without the mask. But yeah, this was this was a special performance from him. Diamante crushed it. It's one of those... I don't think people parachuting into this match that just don't watch a lot of Dragon Gate. I, I don't know if they would like it all that much. It's, but for, you know, I mean, obviously us, we watch every show, but just for your average Dragon Gate fan, I do think they would find a lot of enjoyment in this. It was just a fun match. It was just, it was kind of two guys being dudes and going out there and having just a four-star match. It was great stuff. It, it, it's something that, it's going to be very interesting. I think that, I'm a little offended that he's not going back to the that they're not doing a callback and he's not going to be the former Bukodomo Dragon Yuki Shimizu. I thought that that would have been a really funny thing, but that would have been funny for the the 100 of us that were watching 2013 Dragon Gate to be honest, but I I it, it just was a really nice match and it was something that with this now, I wonder if we are going to get the Ultimo direction. And I think that if they are going to go the Ultimo direction, I think that'd be a really interesting thing to put on a Kobe World, one of the nights of Kobe World this year. Explain what you mean by the Ultimo direction. Oh, I mean the fact that before COVID, uh, Diamante was making uh, mass challenges to Ultimo. To Ultimo. So, god, that's oh my god, that's right. Yeah, so I, f- I find it fast. I would find it fascinating if they go back to that, and that would be something to boost up when you're doing two nights in Kobe Cannon Call. I just throwing it out there. If I'm right, if I end up being right here, then that's one of my all time great like pulls here. <laughs> but I don't think I'm right on this. But I just, just throwing it out there. I'm glad you mentioned the shot put slam real quick. My final thought on this match. I I love that we are six or seven years into this move being a thing, 
and it's still protected. You know, guys have kicked out of it. Probably There's probably been about 10 or so guys that have kicked out of it now, but it's always those delayed, you know, Shimizu is selling and he can't make the cover, one of those type of deals. He's just... right. He's a he's a really dumb guy, as we know, but he's a really smart wrestler. Yeah, and it's something that like it's a distinctive enough move, and it's a simple enough move that like after you see this, you're like, oh, this guy just did something incredible. When it's just like he just has like exaggerated theatrics to a choke slam, and it makes it so good. And the and the company's done such a great job of protecting the move that it feels everything with it. It feels entirely warranted and how it's protected. And it's one of the things I think that this company does incredibly well, which is protect their moves. The disappointing thing about Shimizu will always be that we never really got a payoff between him and Shingo because the Big R character was born essentially out of Shingo just kicking the shit out of him. And and that is when the change went from the anime character to the singlet-wearing mohawk monster. And that obviously never went anywhere because... Shingo left the promotion and and it's a bummer because I just would have liked to have seen you know around this time period again seven years into Shimizu as we know him what he would be doing with Shingo but that is not a possibility but what we do have instead is a Diamante match which hey who would have thought that in 2014 the Ryotsu Shimizu anime character that then donned Ultimo Dragon's mask and did Ultimo Dragon's moves wrestling a purebred luchador in a mask versus mask match and it was awesome who would have thought who would have thought in case you were talking about shingo takagi and big r shimizu two great guys with great heads of hair but it's not just about heads of hair as support for open the voice gate is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's blow the waist grooming Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technological developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code OTVG at manscaped.com. And, you know, manscaped.com and Manscaped, they've come out with their perfect package 3.0 case and what a assortment of goods do they have with the Perfect Package 3.0? As someone that is addicted to impulsively making decisions on dating apps, Manscaped products are perfect for me because in the nick of time, I can prepare my family jewels for whatever queen will arrive to my castle. Mike, tell us about these products within the Manscaped family. So first off, the, 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 the king of the castle if we're going to continue with this weird analogy, is the Lawnmower 3.0. This is their newest innovated innovation of this third-generation trimmer, which which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, and it comes with an LED light for more precise shave and is waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. And at, at the same time, with the Perfect Package 3.0, it comes with everything you need to keep everything trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice. You have the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant moisturizer. And then you also have the Crop Reviver. So you have the Preserver and the Reviver, and they make sure everything in there is doing great. You get 20% off with the promo code OTVG at Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code OTVG at Manscaped.com. Use promo code OTVG. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I love it, Mike. I love it. You know who's a confident guy? You know who is confident that radiates, even at his advanced age, confidence? Masahiro Chono. Yeah, Masahiro Chono did because he he comes out and... And it's one of those things that... First off, the fact that Chono shows up in Dragon Gate and he's like, oh... Of course, what is the first thing that Masahiro Chono says is, wow, there's a lot more women in the audience than I'm used to in wrestling shows. And it's like, yes, yes, yeah, no, that, that's been the thing about the Dragon System for 23 years, Chono. Like, the, 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 that's true. And then him and, and Ryo Saito have a promo battle building up the, the third volume of the Amazon uh, series, uh, Dragon Gate All Underscore. And he is a part of it. And I... Don't watch this series. We've talked about this before, just with the VPNs and everything that's in the price, just as one of those things. I have seen uh, screen captions of this, and he made some moves on his first night in underscore Dragon Gate case. I have not seen this. I saw him on Twitter. He put over Dragon Gate for their athleticism, but, but are you telling me he got involved in the action? Apparently, 
and you might have seen the photos on this on Instagram and things like this. He's affiliated with R.E.D. You know, whenever I see Chono now, it makes sense that he's with R.E.D. because he is the biggest heel to Western viewers there can be. Because I, I'm trying to think of the amount of Western wrestling fans that have been turned off of Japanese wrestling by Masahiro Chono. Because I will put myself in their shoes as a, a not a universe WWE fan, but a guy who mainly watches WWE in like 2013. So mm-hmm. is probably aware of Ring of Honor, but doesn't watch it. Is probably aware of TNA, but has given up on it. Well, that person probably saw MVP talking about how much fun he had wrestling in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that person probably checked out an MVP match in New Japan, which was a horrible decision. That would have turned them off immediately. But if they wanted a little bit more, they would have listened to MVP talking about Masahiro Chono like he was God's gift uh, on this earth, that he was the most talented wrestler ever. And then that fan would have watched a Chono match and he would have gone, this is horrible. What am I doing? Let me go back to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I think MVP and Chono, for for as popular as New Japan has been in the States, for as popular as Dragon Gate has been in the States, I think MVP and Chono combined have turned away thousands of potential customers by being who they are. Well, I mean, MVP's MV, uh, New Japan scent was so interesting. I still hope that I have not watched the uh, Sakura Genesis or whatever that show was that had the Abushi uh, versus Osprey match, but I have not heard that they have a side by side role of champions where it would have MVP at the start as the first Intercontinental Champion. Also, I love the fact that he did the Crippler Crossface in New Japan, but he knew he couldn't get away with it, calling it the tribute to Benoit, so he called it the TTV. I was at an indie show in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, and this was probably 2013, because I was I was a teenager, but I was a very young teenager, and a wrestler who I will not name, because this wrestler has wrestled in some pretty prominent places since, put somebody in a crippler crossface on that show, and yelled at the top of his lungs, double murder, suicide, and fourteen-year-old case, fourteen-year-old case did applaud to that. So we are all guilty here. I mean, I'm laughing at that. <laughs> just so, just as much so. But yeah, so Chono did commentary with uh, Yoshino. Who Yoshino? I was looking on Twitter. Showed up to commentary for this in a nice-looking three-piece suit. Looks did you see so, I'm Mike, I'm so glad you said that. He looked so damn good. I, I mean, I know he's doing getting treatments for his neck in Kochi Prefecture, but maybe they have a nice tailor there as well, because. <laughs> brother he was he was looking like someone who could run a company that's all i'll say i would follow him into battle i would follow him into the dark as death cat for cutie once said whatever masada yoshino needs i'm there so they did that instead of intermission part of that also is in king of gate we'll talk more about king of gate after we're done with corkin and then the match we had before going to intermission case it was a natural vibes team featuring kz ginky horiguchi and dance hashimoto versus the unaffiliated team of Benkei, Keisuke Akuda, and, and Yazushi Kanda. And it was Dance Hashimoto, who people better know him as Kagatora, getting the pen on Yazushi Kanda after a trio of Kagna Nuiz. I thought this match was fine. I thought Dance Hashimoto was a ton of fun. And I'm kind of disappointed they didn't rip the Band-Aid off here and just have Kagatora join Natural Vibes, because after the match he said he wanted to sample each of the units. He's already teamed with Masquerade. I, I don't know if he's going to team with R.E.D., so that pretty much leaves high-end left. Team Boku. Team Boku, maybe. <laughs> well, I, God, I think he's spent time with them at this point. There has to be undercard tags where he's worked with them, but your point stands. But uh, to me, Dance Hashimoto, which is a far better name than Kagatora, he should have just come into Torimon X with that name, if he was the Natural Vibes fall post, I would be totally fine with that, because he, he fit in here with Horiguchi and KZ. In case, for all the months of us bemoaning Kagatora and just been like, why it, it, he's taking up space here, suddenly, Dance Hashimoto provides the energy he needs. He is instantly not the worst dancer in Natural Vibes. He cares. He, he had a lot of gear 
and a lot of stuff like do you think he like went to like a i don't think there are party cities in japan i know there's don quixote's i don't think don quixote's have that much different rasa colored gear but he he was decked out he had his hair permed up so that you could see his hair through his bucket hat with the lid cut off of it just was a lot of fun like i'm totally with you like if he wants to go join natural vibes and then we get like fun trios matches with the what will be the formerly named takedo kame ut and dance hashimoto i'm here for that like that that sounds like a great undercard trios team to me well, it's what we've always talked about with KZ. It's been his rep, or I'm not for not for KZ, but for Kagatora. It's been his rep for so long. When you give him something to do, he will do it incredibly well. But he is an afterthought in their booking, which doesn't bother me. I've always found Kagatora to be very talented, albeit overrated. When you give him something to do, though, he will deliver. And Dance Hashimoto is something for him to do. I made a four non-blondes joke on the Open the Voice Gate Twitter. One person liked it. That's okay. I'm shooting for a niche market here, but but Hashimoto had on uh, the the steampunk hat in Rastafarian colors that immediately makes me think of the four non-blondes what's up video. Uh, look, fun was had by all, and I, I also really liked the KZ and Akuda interactions with one another. Yeah, like they managed to for a match that thirteen minutes long. This was the longest match on the show, by the way. Jesus which is Christ, wild. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Which is wild. Like they had like these great interactions, KZ and Akuda. Binke had his moments. That there, there was the whole like opening of the uh, shoulder tackles that just was cracking me up there. And they managed to make this into some of the things I think that Dragon Gate does really well, but they haven't had to do this. There was not. You would think that this would be not be the comedy match on the show because you would look at that team boku tag match like okay that's where the comedy is at but they were able to weave in comedy lighthearted things with some really like fierce uh, and good stuff there but i mean it's one of those things like there was a ceiling on this match and case i also went three and a quarter stars on this i hope going forward we see more of kagatora in this in this unit i think that would be a very good fit and that would give him something to do he does have to get better gear than tassels, though. He can't wear tinsel around his, his pants, although UT was very excited to throw it up in the air after the match. That's a good point. The, the tinsel seems like it just this is the promotion where someone, and especially recently given all of their injury problems, someone's going to trip over that or they're going to hurt their shoulder, and it's just going to be a disaster. Let's not have that happen. Let's get Kagatora some proper gear. Yeah, yeah. Match three was a unaffiliated versus R.E.D. eight-man tag. The R.E.D. side was B.B. Hulk, Kaido, Ishida, Kazuma Sakamoto, and Hio. The unaffiliated side are they opened the Twin Gate champions Misaki, Mochizuki, and Takashi Yoshida, and their best friends Don Fuji and Gamma. Don Fuji lost to an ankle hold that he tr- they choke slammed Hio while in the middle of in nine minutes and twenty-four seconds. In case I went four stars on this match, I absolutely love this shit. It was so awesome. You know, Mike and I, along with Alan Forel over on the Pro Wrestling Torch, we've been working on our Greatest Wrestler Ever ballots, and that, that deadline is coming up very soon. If you want to participate, one, follow at Alan Forel on Twitter. Two, we're looking to have those top 100 ballots in at the end of April. Uh, you know, I'm going through Greatest Wrestler Ever stuff right now, and Mike, some of these cuts I'm making are brutal. It's tortuous. I mean, it's tortuous. I feel bad. Some of the guys that I've had to cut off my list that made it five years ago in 2016, I feel heartless doing it. And Don Fuji is one of those guys. I just don't have room for him. It's not fair because Don Fuji's Don Fuji's so brilliant. I mean, he's unbelievable. He choke slammed someone in an ankle lock in this match and then sold the ankle lock. I've never seen that before. It's something that like this is my big note that I have here. Case I don't know if you're going to go with me on this. I would be okay if they just decided to do Team Zetterans again with these four guys. I think it would be awesome because oh, I had such a God, great yes. time with this. It's just was like that choke slam was tremendous here. It just was a lot of fun. Everyone playing off it. The heel side, Kaido Ishida came out looking like a killer, treated like a killer, and as a killer, destroyed everyone on the side and was standing tall, just trash talking after the match. It just was. It, it, it was something that we haven't had as much this year, just because of or like the last while because of how things are going, but I really cherish these kind of matches and I really enjoyed that for this. I I would have no issue if they threw Fuji, Gamma, Mochizuki, Yoshida, and, you know, give them, give them strong machine. J, give them Maria, give them Kanda. I don't care. There's, there's something to this unit. I mean, the Fuji, Mochizuki, Yoshida trio 
is one of those deals that's a lot of fun, and I have been a huge critic over the years of, oh, what do you know, Cyber Kong gets another Triangle Gate run, who cares? But like I've been saying for the past month now, him as a babyface is something that was, you know, literally 13 years in the making, and this stuff he's doing with Mochizuki and then to some extent Don Fuji, it feels really fresh, and I'm into it. So I, I just, I had a ton of fun watching this match. Your rating makes sense. It makes the main event being a disappointment even worse that, you know, you had yeah. two, or maybe even three. We'll talk about it when we talk about the opening match. Uh, you know, multiple four-star matches on this show. It would have been nice to close the show with a bang. But yeah, this was, uh, this was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was something completely unexpected. And I think that's the thing about Takashi Yoshida. So we've been so used to seeing Cyber Kong Takashi Yoshida in like this one role here. And then ever since the turn, you know, it is shown that he has some life to him. And now I, I, I'm still someone that if Takashi Yoshida is ever in a main event singles match, I'm going to wonder what they're smoking. But in this and this role, perfectly fine. I'm going to try to curtail a lot of my Takashi Yoshida, uh, not vitriol, but criticism, because I feel like that. Some of the work he's doing now, with the exception of the new Hazard Trio Triangle Gate team, I think it's on the best work of his career. You know, I was looking at some old results a few days ago. I was looking something up. In 2017, Mike, Champion Gate in Osaka, they had Cyber Kong, Shingo, and T-Hawk win the Triangle Gate belts on the first night, and then Cyber Kong wrestled Yamato in a 20-minute Open the Dream Gate match in the second night. He headlined both Champion Gate and Osaka shows in one year. And that is why we've had such vitriol towards Takashi Yoshida on this podcast, because this man did not know his damn role, okay? He was pushed far, far, far too hard. But when he's in this spot with a fresh coat of paint, not just unmasking and then doing the same exact gimmick he had been doing for a decade, but when he's in this spot, he's really a lot of fun. In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, I'm setting these things off. It's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right. And it, it's something that, like, this match was a lot of fun. And then 
we had two either exceeding expectations or what we expected other matches on this Corkin. The second match was a Team Boku versus unaffiliated tag match. It was the Team Boku team of Punch Nomonaga and Ryo Saito versus the unaffiliated team of, of Ultimo Dragon and Kenichiro Rai. Punch Nomonaga won with the triangle choke in eight minutes and two seconds. So apparently Punch Nomonaga might have actually learned something from those Gracie tutorials. Yeah, the finish of this match was scary as shit. I thought when they went for the triangle choke off the middle rope, it looked like both guys somehow landed on their head, and I was convinced that Arakan was knocked out. That was that was not a pleasant experience uh, viewing, at least for me. What was a pleasant experience was Jay on English commentary cracking up at Ultimo Dragon wearing Uber Eats uh, colored tights. Yes, <laughs> that was so that was so funny. But I thought this was like yeah, the finish was scary. But given like what this could have been, this exceeded my expectations, and this was like a well earned two and three quarter stars for me because this, this could have been real bad. Oh, completely not a waste of time by any means. They did their job. They did it well. Yeah, yeah. And then we had the opener. The opener was a Natural Vibes versus Masquerade match as Kota Minonora and uh, La Estrella. I'm a, they were off the card. I'm assuming that they are still in uh, quarantine. Haven't heard anything about them. They weren't really mentioned on the show too much to begin with. So it was Susumi Yokosuka versus UT versus Shun Skywalker and Jason Lee. And Jason Lee, after all these losses, picks up the win with the game of death on Susumi Yokosuka in 10 minutes and 46 seconds. I, I mean, my God, what a match. And I, I wrote about this in my review because I, I make the joke all the time on this show. The standard cork and hall Drangate opener that either six or eight man tag. I've been writing about them for five years for every single month. I have run out of ways to describe that style of tag match. I just I don't have it in me. I can't do it. So for them to open the show with a standard two on two tag match and to have it be this good was such a delightful surprise. This match, I mean, UT is so good now. And then you've got Susumu and Jason Lee in there, and it reminded me of what Susumu was doing in All Japan, where he was taking these younger guys and just guiding them to greatness. The Susumu Yokosuka way, to me, one of the 25 greatest wrestlers of all time. Spoiler alert on my greatest wrestler ever ballot. This dude is just brilliant. He's unbelievable, and he and Jason Lee crushed it here, and then you had Shun Skywalker doing his thing. A colossal victory for everyone involved. I love when a Dragon Gate show starts with a three and three quarter star match. Yeah, I was three and three quarters as well. Interesting that you were talking about Susumu. I thought that UT and Shun Skywalker had some like awesome exchanges that I really want to see more out of these two guys together, just because it's just really solid stuff and it's something that like UT with his style really lends himself to facing someone like Shun Skywalker and it's something where I'm looking right now at this at the King Gate stuff because they are in the same block together case but I don't know if their match is going to be televised and that's what I'm worried about okay yeah it's in Niigata so it's not being televised and that really bums me out because that's a match I would love to see yeah I I mean UT is just so, he's so good right now, and unfortunately it looks like only one of his matches in King of Gate is going to be making tape. It's going to be him versus Kaito Ishida. If you know anything about what they've done in the past, that is going to be an excellent, excellent match. But I I wish we had more UT on tape in that tournament because he's someone who's crushing it every single time I see him right now, and he fits like a glove in this unit. Again, I still think the the revamp Natural Vibes is a really weird thing. Gate has never done something like this, where they've copy and pasted a unit logo from one era to another. But when UT is crushing it the way he is, and I have no doubt that Takedo Kamei is going to fit right in with these guys as well. Now, I'm very nervous for his name change. I'm very nervous to give him a stupid name. But... In ring, he's going to crush it. This unit is killing it right now, and I would really like to see more natural vibes versus masquerade stuff. Just so you prepare yourself, it's going to be some turtle pun. Oh, for sure. It's going to be like, they're going to call it, I don't think they're going to strip calling turtle coon, but turtle will be advised and would be used in some way. But yeah, it's something where like with UT is probably, with the exception of Misaki Mochizuki, who's also not in King of Gate, by the way, uh, probably my favorite person to watch like in ring in the company right now the fact that he only gets one match in Hokkaido making tape really bums me out but 
unless you have anything else, that was Corkin. Let's talk about these uh, King of Gate blocks and give a little bit of a preview before we get out of here. Yeah, I've got some some brief statistics that I find to be interesting. Do you want to quickly run down the A, B, and C blocks, though? Right, so they're going back to a round-robin format. They are only doing three blocks this time, 18 wrestlers, so a lot more people are on the outside looking in this year. Uh, the way it's going to work is that the three-block winners, and then they'll be doing their second-chance battle royal like they did this year to decide the other semifinalists. And the nice thing about this the semifinals and the finals are happening in Tokyo versus being in Fukuoka, which, thank God, like it's been a while since they've actually had like King of Gate finals in front. I think, is it 2016 was the last time they actually had it outside of Hakata? But it used to be Hakata Starline, so it was great. But when it was moved to across Fukuoka, it was not as great. Uh, the blocks, just run through them real quick. A block, Naruki Doi, Benkei, Kota Minoru, Takashi Yoshida, BB Hulk, and Diabante. B block, KZ, Susumi Yokosuka, Dragon Kid, Jason Lee, Eita, and SB Kento. C block, Shun Skywalker, Yamato, Keisuke Akuda, UT, Kaido Ishida, and Hip Hop Kakuda. It's an incredible lineup, and I, I'm trying to rack my brain right now. I The last time I can remember King of Gate ending in Tokyo was 2010, that Shingo versus Dragon Kid finals, because they were doing right. it in Osaka for a while. And then they were doing it in Fukuoka. And then last year was the empty arena stuff. So it's a long time coming. You know, we've complained this entire episode about bad main events in Cork and Hall. I think they're going to rectify that in June with the semifinals and the finals. So a few things to note here. First of all, that lineup is insane. When we talk about the youth movement of Drangate, last year was the time to get on board because that train has passed you now. These are some of the names not in King of Gate this year. Big R Shimizu, Dragon Daya, who's injured. I'm sure he would have been at it, but he's injured. Masaki Mochizuki, Yosuke Santa Maria, Ryo Saito, Hyo, Kai, Kazuma Sakamoto, 2012 King of Gate winner Genki Horiguchi, Kagatora, Strong Machine J, Don Fuji, Punch Tamanaga, Masato Yoshino, Shuji Kondo, who's injured. That's... If you put those guys in a King of Gate tournament, there would be some rough patches in there, but we'd think, damn, that's a pretty good tournament. We'll get some great matches out of that. But instead, it is a full-on youth movement. And not only is it a full-on youth movement, Mike, but we have a number of first-time, never-before-seen singles matches making tape on this tour. 5-9 Kobe Sambo Hall Hip Hop Kakuta versus Kaito Ishida. That is a first time ever matchup. That is R.E.D. versus R.E.D. That is going to be taped. On the 15th in Fukuoka, there is a Dragon Kid versus KZ net match. Now, to my knowledge, those guys have wrestled in nine singles matches, but none of them have made tape. So that, for me, is a first time ever singles match. Also on that show, Takashi Yoshida versus Diamante and Yamato versus Kaisuke Akuda. Never before seen singles matches. The next day, same venue in Fukuoka, Naruki Doi versus Kota Minoru. Those are two guys that have never had a singles match before. You move to the end of the tournament, 522 in Hokkaido, Bin K versus Kota Minoru, which quite frankly sounds like a match that could steal this entire tournament. Those guys have never had a singles match before. And Yamato versus Hip Hop Kakuta. Those guys have never had a singles match before. And you look at 523 Hokkaido, Shun Skywalker versus Kaisuke Akuda. That is a fresh, never-been-done-before match. On top of that, you know, you've got matches like KZ versus Eita, Jason Lee versus KZ, uh, matches that really haven't happened a lot. And your more familiar matches are things like Dragon Kid versus Susumu Yokosuka, which is a legendary matchup in Dragon Gate or something like Naruki Doi versus Bin K. And the last time we saw those two wrestle was one of the best Dreamgate matches in history. So this is an incredibly fresh tournament with a number of incredibly fresh matchups. I am thrilled with this lineup. Yeah, there's no there's no filler in here. It, it used to be a case we could easily go like, okay, this is the block we think it's going to be, like the, the block of death, if you will. And some of the blocks are like, okay, this is... We know who's going to come out of these blocks immediately. With the format, it doesn't matter really who comes out of the block because they're going to have the Battle Royal. 
and then you have just these each guy gets five matches and everyone i think has a match that makes tape and they're choosing interesting matchups and they're doing interesting blocks like how you just ran down here i mean in fukuoka they're running back the the champion gate dream gate match like they're they're running that back it's just on the it, same show by the way they're running shun versus sashida in dragon kid versus Ata on the same show and i especially have been very critical of that pairing but on a king mm-hmm. of gate show that sounds awesome yeah, and there's just, like, a lot of things here to, like, seek your teeth into. The way that the tournament is run, other than, like, the three blocks and then the second chance battle royal, standard the standard wrestling way, there's 20-minute time limits, two, two points for a win, zero points for a loss, one point for a draw, time limit draw. And it's just, like, you look at this thing here, and I'm it's going to be interesting because the fact that they're leading off the first night with Yamato versus Shun Skywalker, normally I'd be like, oh, that it's going to be like a Royal Road where Yamato wins, and then he's going to go challenge at Kobe World, and that's going to be that there. But you're blowing that off on your first night, like that's a remarkable stuff. Like this is the the, the this is instantly one of my more anticipated King of Gate tournaments that they've ever had. Unless we figure out something different, there's going to be seven shows making tape: the May seventh Corkin Hall show the May 9th Kobe Sambo Hall show, May 15th and May 16th in Fukuoka, and then the triple shot in Hokkaido on the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. And from the information that we have, I think you can make an argument that 521 in Hokkaido is maybe the least appealing of the bunch, but even that, it's Kaito Ishida versus Yuti, which is 1,000% going to deliver. Jason Lee versus KZ, which sounds like a lot of fun. And then Doi versus Yoshida, which is a match that could drastically over-deliver. It could also, unfortunately, underwhelm to a tremendous degree. <laughs> I, I mean, this this is a tremendous tournament, Mike. I mean, even like like the last night that we're going to get on, on tape here, that 523 Hokkaido show, it's Doi versus Hulk. Those guys have not had a singles match together since Dangerous Gate 2014. And I love their chemistry with one another. So we get that. We get KZ versus Ata, which we saw earlier, uh, or I guess late last year at Gate of Destiny. And those guys have only had three singles matches on record. One of them was a dark match. One of them, KZ, was Dr. Muscle. And the other one was that Dreamgate match last year. And then Shun Skywalker versus Kaisuke Okuda. And I have no doubt that that is going to rip. And it's just that way throughout the entire tournament. By my count, Doi, KZ, and Dragon Kid have four televised matches. Yamato, Shun Skywalker, Kaito Ishida, and Kota Minora, which I think is an interesting name. Yamato, Shun, Ishida, and Minora have three televised matches. Benkei, Diamante, Yoshida, Okuda, Eita, and Kakuta all have two. And Jason Lee, UT, BB Hulk, and I found this to be incredibly interesting as well, SB Kento, only one televised singles match. Yeah, it's always interesting when that happens, especially with Kento coming out of the cage. It makes me wonder if they're going to be downcycling him this coming out of Dead or Alive, but it's too early really to tell that. But it's an interesting thing just to think about, just like how these things are and how they set them up with that. I think that that's a very interesting look. Like KZ getting all being tied for most matches is interesting as well. And like it's, the, 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 it, you know, KZ versus Ata, KZ versus Jason Lee, KZ versus Dragon Kid, KZ versus Susumu. That's a murderer's row of singles matches. He has a chance to crush all of those. Yeah, and it's going to be a real exciting May. And, you know, maybe we'll, I, I think we'll probably get a clean finish out of Yamato versus Shun Skywalker because I imagine that's going to be on top. So <laughs> uh, our, our, our streak of Corkins with angle matches and just not clean finishes i think that will have to come to an end on the seventh unless they go dragon kid and sb kento and then there's another schmoz there but i just can't i mean doi versus ben k is on that show that's right that's a loaded match that's insane and that's not even going to go on last because i mean i maybe maybe they know something i don't but i would certainly hope yamato versus shun closes out that show so all of these I, I'm just I'm pumped for this tournament. There's so much good stuff here. Yeah, and it's impossible not to be hyped about this tournament. But but do you have anything else we wanted to hit on before we got out of here? Uh, I know next week we will probably have. I'm looking at the schedule right now. 
the uh, the Fukuoka shows should probably be announced by then, right? Uh, well, the Fukuoka shows are happening on Sunday, so we'll have reviews so, yes. for those next week, and then yeah. we will we will have a card. We might have a, a full card for the April twenty second Kobe Sambo Hall show. And don't forget about Saturday, April twenty fourth, Speedstar Final Countdown in Higashi Osaka. That will probably be making the network. I'd be stunned if it doesn't. That, that Let me is, check that, right that now. That is for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they, they aren't going to do Yoshino dirty like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see because probably within the next week we'll know whether or not uh, Masato Yoshino is going to wrestle on that show. Yeah, so a lot of interesting stuff to close out April. As we've talked about, the beginning of May, that first week of May, will be insane with all of the Dragon Gate shows airing, an Osaka number 2 show, two Kyoto KBS Hall shows, a Dead or Alive pay-per-view, and Cork and Hall, all within a seven-day period, plus Kobe Sambo Hall uh, two days after that. So May will be loaded. We have a fun April, uh, the rest of April, in store for you guys. And that is all I have, Mike. Yep, and that's going to do it for me as well. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate, cases at underscore in your case, and I'm at Fujiheya. Until next week, thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. Take care. <laughs>